0: Podcast
1: Master. Hey, everybody! It's Matt here. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. Um, wherever you get your podcast, do me a favor if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, give us a five star rating, and leave us a review. I don't care if it's good, bad, or indifferent. Be honest. Tell me what you think of the podcast. Because the more those reviews, the more uh, eyeballs we can reach. And that's what this is all about. So do me a favor, click over, subscribe, give us a rating and, uh, drop a little review in there. It only takes a few seconds. So if you can find the time in your busy schedule to give us a review, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. I want to get to this week's episode because it's been a busy couple of weeks. I went from, uh, Anaheim, California to Pendleton, Oregon to Springfield, Missouri. And why is all of that important? Well. I got a chance to record a few podcasts and uh, a couple of podcasts with some really, really good friends. This first one I'm going to drop. We actually recorded in Pendleton, Oregon uh, on the first or second day of the Pendleton Roundup. So obviously, if you know anything about Western sports and rodeo, Pendleton Roundup is huge. So much fun to uh, to be up there as a part of the PBR, watch the PBR there, and uh, obviously announce the PBR. But to be able to go in and watch the rodeo with so much history, over 100 years of history. But this guy has been there for a long time. Steve Kenyon is my guest on this week's episode, and he is a guy that many of you will remember as the voice of Western Sports Roundup on Sirius XM 147. A lot of you will know him from ProRodeo Live, ProRodeoLive.com, and he has done so much to help build the Western industry. And I, and I truly do mean that. And we talk a little bit about this in the podcast, but you know, for me, he's a guy that that gave us so much of our rodeo information. He was there every single day to drop so much knowledge and drop so much information about what's happening around the world. There's so many little rodeos across the country that it's hard, even with modern technology and websites and everything, it's hard to keep up with it. Well, All you had to do was tune in and listen to Steve Kenyon, and you would feel like you had been to all those rodeos and you got caught up on everything that had been happening. The good news for all of us is he has continued the tradition uh, of Pro Rodeo Live. It's actually become 8 Seconds Radio. You can log on to the number 8secondsradio.com to find out more information about it, or Check him out on Instagram, Pro Rodeo Live. We'll talk about all the social media here in just a little bit. But my go-to, if you guys haven't noticed already, is Instagram. It's uh, for some reason, it's just where I direct all of the traffic. So a seconds radio, it's Pro Rodeo Live, still on Instagram. That's the name. But Steve Kenyon is my guest this week. If you have not already, cruise over to my social media, Matt L West, on all platforms: Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. LinkedIn, everything. We're 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 trying to do everything. So if there's one that I missed, drop me a message and let me know and I'm gonna to try to get it together. Okay? This modern technology, it's hard for some of us. It's hard to keep up with all these kids and everything that's going on in the world. It's hard to keep up with the world of rodeo, but a seconds radio is helping us do it. This is a good Good human being and Steve Kenyon, and uh, I'm so glad we finally got to sit down. I'd been on his show so many times, but I finally got to sit down having him on the podcast. So let's get to it. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this podcast. If you don't, shh, don't tell anybody. Just make sure you go ahead and give us a five star rating. Anyways, drop a comment, tell us how fabulous it was, and I hope you guys have an amazing week. Here's my conversation with Steve Kenyon. On the scene. It's a podcast, so who cares? We're uh, we're recording. We were just talking. First of all, you uh, got done with your big racquetball game today. Yeah, you uh, you dig
0: racquetball? Don't I you? love racquetball. Um, I'm I'm a I'm I'm for the most part, Matt, a failed athlete. I mean, I I was the are we all? I was like the the ninth guy on the high school basketball team. I actually was an all conference offensive lineman in high school. Really? Yeah, a little single-A school, graduating class of 47. B- football was your gig. Football was was the thing I was the best at, but let's face it, I, I was the best at it on a 3-and-6 team, <laughs> so we weren't very good. But, uh, um, but I yeah, yeah you know, the fun thing about racquetball, it's it's kind of, a, unfortunately, it's kind of an aging game. Most of the people I play with see are it very much. in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. Or, you know, today I, I, I played doubles with three other guys and i'm 59 years old and i was the youngest guy on the court you're 59 i'm 59 i'll be 60 next month
1: really next month is the
0: big 60 for me
1: you uh you age better than i do (laughs) not really you're looking good i I, from the neck down i feel like i'm doing okay uh i'm I'm working hard from the neck down but from the neck up it's brutal yeah i'm I'm, gray every day i'm really interested in how many people are surprised when i tell
0: them i'm about to turn 60
1: i am i'm completely and we've been friends a long time i'm completely blown away by that 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 that's crazy to me, but I think part of that is you stay so busy, and so you're, you're on the road more so than most of the cowboys, cowgirls.
0: I'm on the road a lot. I, have, I left Texas before the 4th of July. I've been home for three days since then. Now, I will confess that as we are talking, we are visiting here during Letter Creek at yeah. the penalty Roundup, and I, I, I was born and raised in Oregon, lived here the first 55 years of my life lived in Pendleton for 25 years. And so for me to say I've been home for 3 days when I'm sitting here in Pendleton. Right. Right. Still feels a little weird.
1: Yeah, cuz now you're you're relocated to Texas. We're relocated in Gainesville, Texas. And you've been there for what? 4 years. I was going to say. 4 years. Has it been that long? It has been that long. It's crazy how fast. I was talking to Sean Gleason last night. It's crazy how fast every single year starts to go by and the older we get, the faster they go. Trust it feels me. like Cause it feels like it's been about two weeks. We were sitting in Denver at the national Western talking about everything there. And we're weeks away from the PBR world finals. Yeah. We are a couple months away from, you the know, national the NFR really and yeah. then we start back over.
0: Well, this is a lifestyle that does not lend itself well to, um, <laughs> sanity and sanity and, you know, doing normal things, mental or physical health whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but but the, the fun thing about it is, look at all the places we get to go, it's and nice, look at all the man. things we need it's to nice. do. I mean, I I interviewed you on the old radio show that I used to host from Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. I interviewed you from Denver. Yeah, I interviewed you from God only knows the places I interviewed you from. Um, yeah. Vegas, we, um, we did it here. Yeah, we, we here upstairs. At the we the Pendleton. We've done up. a lot together here at the Pendleton Roundup. Which, by the way, um, my compliments Monday night. Pendleton Roundup, PBR Classic. I sent you and Flynn a text message earlier today. That house was absolutely it was nuts. rocking.
1: For a Monday night, are you kidding me? Yeah. It, it's crazy because you go to places like like Pendleton, and, and there's a lot of these quote-unquote rodeo towns uh, that just love to come out midweek, beginning of the week, weekend. It doesn't matter. They just love to come out and have a good time. And this is one that we always look forward to. Yeah. And uh, we've got Chuck Lopeman with us this week. So it's me, Chuck, and Flint. And, uh, That's an A-team to me. We just... I mean, you, I think somebody, somebody was making fun of me yesterday. What are you doing? You got a lot of prep to do. And they just started laughing. I was like, I actually will do a little bit of homework, but not much because we're going to get out there and just have fun. Yeah. And I think it showed last yeah. night. Yeah, You could have killed them with stats
0: last night, but couldn't, but I hate it. And that's you, it. It kills them. And you let the audience have fun with it. Um, I, I noticed that cause I probably overstat every once in a while when I'm getting ready for a rodeo. Um, and I, I really noticed that, and I thought to myself, okay, Matt's letting this crowd have fun.
1: Yeah. There's much part of the show, and I think that that's a major difference. You, like I try to, and this is going to sound, uh, I'm just going to say it, like I try to follow you a lot because you're so versatile in the fact that you you are an announcer by trade, whether anybody wants to agree with that or even whether you want to you. agree. You, you're, you're a rodeo announcer by trade. Yep. That... Fell into, and we'll talk about how you got into everything, but that became a an amazing rodeo host, or a radio host, that also did play-by-play for rodeo on the radio, which is so incredibly difficult. You've dabbled in TV, but you've been able to... Like water, you've been able to fall and mold into every little thing that you've done, and that's that's what I've tried to do with my career, and that's hard. People hard. don't understand how hard that shit yeah. is.
0: Yeah, yeah, people don't, and it really is hard. You know, one of the first because things they're that all I all so different. They are everything is different. One of the first things I learned. I was thinking about that when I when I left my old position. One of the first things I, I, I thought about was, okay, remember way back when, when you were running a little radio station, first in McMinnville, Oregon, and then in Pendleton, Oregon, mm-hmm. and you were jumping off every weekend and going off and announcing a rodeo someplace, a high school rodeo in Burns, Oregon, or something like that, and there's nothing wrong with Burns, Oregon, it's a wonderful town, but, you know, when you're when you're running off every weekend on Friday afternoon and you're wearing yourself out, you know, you don't have any free time on weekends, and you're trying to balance a job... <laughs> <laughs> and this other thing that you're doing, um, there, that is one of the challenges that I think a lot of people in, whether it's the rodeo industry, the bull riding industry, the horse show industry, um, whether it's a contract person or a contestant, a roper, a rider, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the challenges we face in this lifestyle is how do I balance my love, my passion, what I do, mm-hmm. which may or may not actually be profitable, probably more often than not, it's not. But and a job, he said with air quotes going on. Right. Um it's something that I think a lot of people deal with at one point or another in their career.
1: Well and then you throw in the real life stuff like having a family yeah. and, and and all the issues that come and, and go with that. Let's go back because you talked about being in radio, so was that what came first for you? It,
0: radio came first for me. I got my first. Ra- I've been talking into a microphone for a living since I was seventeen years old. Really? I got my first radio job. I remember. I remember the very, very first. It was a weekend gig on KAGO 1150 radio in Klamath Falls, Oregon.
1: I love it because you you did that. You did the yeah, radio. Did the radio voice, voice. So many people.
0: Uh, in like, I was seventeen, so that was in the 1970s. Wow, disco was still a thing. Every other song was the Bee Gees
1: from the Saturday Night Fever Tell me you Sunday. had bell bottoms. I did. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to break those out cuz uh, yeah. rumor is they're doing a throwback Thursday during the NFR. Oh really? And uh I, I know everybody's going to show up and they're going to have the old brush poppers or they're going to have the old school shirt. I want to see somebody, somebody show up needs in belt B- Not disco everybody was, Not everybody was wearing Wranglers back in, in the day. In, in the so, old ABBA
0: outfit yeah, or something. Oh you know, my god, yeah.
1: please do it. <laughs>
0: So, but yeah, that, that's where I got my start. I would work Saturday night and I'd st- sign the radio station. This this was back when radio station still went off the air at midnight. I would oh. turn the radio station off at midnight, go catch a nap at my sister's house for a couple hours because she lived right down the road from the radio station, turn around, come back, sign it on on Sunday morning. And basically do the station IDs at the top of the hour in between all the church programs on Sunday morning. And that was how I got my start. And then eventually I was doing mornings on that station. I was too young and too immature to do the morning show. The morning show at the time was the biggest thing that, that they had going. So they moved me to evenings, and I was I was the nighttime disc jockey, and I got into doing play-by-play from there. Um, Did, high school, baseball. Sports, fo- I was going to say sports. Yeah, high school football, basketball, and baseball. So
1: you've been painting the picture a long time.
0: Yeah, that's where I, I still, I would, every once in a while, like I, I listen to a lot of sports on radio, and I'll sit there and I'll listen to a guy, and I'll think to myself, I could do that. I know a lot of guys listen to me broadcast rodeo on the radio, and they think to themselves, yeah, I could do that.
1: It's No, it's so you've hard. You've done it. I, I have You done did it. it,
0: and you violated the first rule. You were better than me. Oh, whatever. So, yeah. Far
1: from it. But you know what? It, it's important the way that you do that, because, you know, you're listening on the radio, so... And I take this from listening to Cardinals games way back in the day. Jack Buck? Not Joe Buck. Jack Buck, yeah. Jack Buck. The one that was actually good. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. I can't stand Joe Buck. I want to punch him in the face (laughs) so bad. But Jack Buck is is one of those voices from my childhood that I absolutely was just enthralled with. Also, uh, Jim Ross, and I've made this statement a lot of times, I, I still, to this day, Try to learn as much as I can from Jim Ross. And a lot of people are like, well, a wrestling announcer, you know, a wrestling commentator, how, how are you going to learn about to do rodeo or bull ridings from a guy? No, it, it has to do with two things painting a picture and telling a story. Exactly. Those are the two most important exactly. things you can do. And, you know, you can sit there and say, well, you know, his horse jumps out there, kicks real hard. But no, but you have an uncanny ability to tell me that this horse is a paint horse that, you know, might have one solid back right leg that kind of takes two really wild jumps out, starts to circle to the left, fakes back, goes to the right. I mean, like you haven't, an, and, and I don't think everybody can do that. There's like you said, there's rodeo announcers out there that sit and say, well, I can do that. No bullshit. You can't, yeah. you're not good at
0: it. Yeah. You know, the thing about what's interesting is putting a rodeo on the radio, it's probably more like baseball than any other sport you can put on the radio. is really fast. Yeah, doing basketball play by play, you're you're fast yeah. breaking up and down the court, and you know football's got stops and goes to it. Yep, baseball has action and the time to baseball. tell some stories. Yep. And here's the windup in the pitch, and there's a ground ball to the shortstop, and fires it over to first, and that's one down.
1: I think that's why I like baseball on the radio because it it's slow enough that yeah. my brain can process it. The great baseball announcers, you mentioned one, Joe Buck, Vin Scully. Um, Oh, Vince Scully.
0: Vince Gully. Oh, my, what, I, what we should all be Vince Gully. Um, there's, there as much storytellers as they are play by play guys.
1: I stole, and that's the
0: way I, I yeah. try to envision what I try to do when I'm
1: on the radio. I steal so much from Vince Gully because mm-hmm. a couple of things you said, one, you know, we've got to be storytellers. I truly believe that it's my job to tell the stories of the athletes on the field. Yep. It is um, the other thing that Vince Scully always said was, uh, "You'll never hear me say a bad word about my guys or about my team." And he said, "Anybody that puts on a Dodger uniform is my team." Yeah. I feel that way about the guys in my locker room; those oh, yeah. guys that are in my locker. You're not going to hear me, of all people, you know, say, "Well, you know what? He just he's just not good enough to be here." No, I mean, you're never going to hear me say stuff like that because those guys—that's my team.
0: Yeah. You have had a chance to learn and see. I mean, think of the guys you've had a chance to see develop their careers and grow. Oh, yeah. You've watched J.B. Mooney in his prime. You've watched Silvano Alves in his prime. Yep. Uh, You've had a chance to watch. you got a young guy now, Dalen Swearingen, who might be at both the PBR Finals and the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo this year. Um, -year
1: 19-year-old kid. I told Gleason last night, like the future of the sport, you know, you mentioned Dalen. There's a kid named Dylan Smith Uh right now that is starting to realize how good he is there's so many of those kids that just don't realize how good they are yeah. yeah there's a there was an 18 year old kid here last night that was like 87
0: in the long round i think uh, that was dylan was that dylan i think so okay um these guys they're a bunch of young rising stars yeah. out there that are real hungry yeah. you've had a chance to watch so many of these young men come from brazil I don't think, I said this the other day, I was announcing a rodeo someplace and Marcus Costa was up in the tie down rope in the PRCA world champion. And I asked the crowd, I said, okay, I want y'all to think about this. How many of you would have the courage to pick up your life, leave your home country with little or no management of the language of the country you're going to speak,
1: come to this whole different world yeah. and then turn around and become a world champion. And try to make a living. And try to make a living. I know so many people that won't leave the state of Oklahoma to go on a vacation. Yeah. Much exactly. less leave to go to a different country exactly. where they don't know anything.
0: Exactly. When I moved from Oregon to Texas, I thought it was a major deal. Yeah. It wasn't. They still speak
1: English in yeah. Texas. But um, PBR fans have kind of gotten away from it. But for the longest time, there were so many people, oh, them damn Brazilians, I wish they'd just go back home. No. No. Think about what they're doing. Think, think about, about what the they contribute sacrifice. to the sport. Yeah. And, and, And what our fans, our fans, I love them, and I love them to death, but they're so passionate. And, you know, they live in America, so they want to see Americans do well. I do too. But you know what? I also understand that guys like Adriano, guys like Silvano, guys like Kaiki, like Jose right now, are continuing to do the same thing I want to do here, and that's open eyeballs up to new fans. All the people that love soccer down in Brazil that might catch – Jose, a former soccer player, now riding bulls, and develop a passion for watching what these guys, that's what this is all about. I agree. And it's incredible what they do. Adriano
0: Marias, I think it was the first or second year that I went to when we were still doing the PBR finals on the radio each year. Um, I think it was the second year Adriano came back up and actually sat in with us mm-hmm. and, and contributed to the broadcast one night. And he told me on the radio there were 5,000 guys in Brazil yeah. who, if they could, would be the next Jose Viter Lemay. Right. Would be the next Kaike Pacheco. Um, he said you would not believe, and a lot of them are in in less than lavish conditions, mm-hmm. poverty. Yeah, um, out in the middle of nowhere, but they've got the tools, and they've got the talent, and they've got the hunger.
1: Yeah. Adriano's a he's got an incredible story, and if you're if you're late to this podcast and you didn't catch the first few episodes, I'm begging you, I implore you to go back and listen to the Adriano episodes. There's two of them because we had to cut it in half. It was so good. Yeah. Um, but listening to like when he was born and when he grew up and and his lifestyle as a kid and compare that to becoming a three time world champion in any endeavor, uh, it's unbelievable. It it is the all-American success story uh-huh. from a Brazilian.
0: Right. It really is. You're right. You know, it's, what's funny for me is living in North Texas now, a lot of those guys live within an hour of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have settled in
1: um, somewhere around North Texas. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's kind of fun. It, it's,
1: it's, it's wild. Well, it's got everything because those guys love to rope. Mm-hmm. They love to just be cowboys. And, you know, North Texas is close enough to Oklahoma that they can feel good about themselves because it's... <clears throat> close enough to getting out of oh. texas
0: uh, <laughs> uh, said the oklahoma by the know, way good line
1: to. about oklahoma football last night during the during i don't the, remember what it was you were
0: picking on oregon state fans. oh
1: yeah yeah yeah. because yeah. they started booing or something i said hey guys i'm it's not my fault i'm used to winning oklahoma sooners <laughs> where we win all the time Man, Boomer. sooner. they put it on south dakota this weekend that's yeah. really insane much but yeah. uh i'm a college football fan yeah me too. i love it i don't get too much into the nfl but so be it, uh, and I think a lot of it is because of the athletes. We we're lucky that we see so many athletes that they do it because they love it. I mean, they have to do it because they love it because you can't make a really good living at it. It's it's
0: getting better. You know, I was I was in Puyallup last weekend at the PRCA's Pro Rodeo Tour finale, and we're talking about guys on the bubble and the bull riding. It's like 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th in the world with three weeks to go to qualify for the National Finals Rodeo, having over $90,000. Yeah. Once upon a time, four or five years ago, yeah. you got $90,000 at this time of the year. You're in and you're a contender for the world title. Right. So the money's getting better in professional rodeo. Um, I, I don't know that... I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. It hasn't
1: really caught up with the PBR yet. Nobody, nobody important's listening to this, anyways. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, fine. But, you know, I mean, the, and I'm happy to see the money getting better because I think that's good for all of us. I'd like to see the contestant <coughs> numbers catch up. Right. In rodeo, in particular. Yep. We've got the numbers of rodeos. They're, they're, close to 700 rodeos this year when you include all the extreme bronc matches and all that mm-hmm. the numbers of rodeos are expanding faster
1: than the pool of contestants to enter them same thing's grown. happening in bull riding yeah we, we it, it's impossible to put on three or four PBRs in a weekend because you water down the talent pool so bad there's just not enough of those guys that are are good enough to go how do we how do we change that you know everybody's got a youth program Mm-hmm.
0: there's a there's a good youth program that goes through the national finals rodeo every year i and i apologize because i'm not as familiar with the pbr is doing right now in terms of outreach to right. kids i'm more familiar with rodeo but you know there it used to be the junior nfr now it's the junior world finals in las vegas right. they had two three hundred bareback riders six years of really? age you know, yeah last year wow now are all those kids going to grow up and become bucking and horse riders no, but if ten percent of them. if ten percent of them do, are there you know there there are not very many bareback riders in the PRCA. Mm-mm. There are you know we the the bull riding pool I think gets stretched thin because there's so many opportunities for guys to go ride bulls, and I'm just not sure that the numbers are keeping up. And quite frankly, I think the guys that raise bulls are a little bit ahead in, of. The talent pool as opposed to the guy. I'm not trying to say anything bad about bull riders, but the bulls are ahead of the bull riders right now in a lot of cases.
1: And And so like Pendleton, Pendleton's a $40,000 added bull riding, which 10, 15 years ago was a huge, huge event Mm -hmm. where everybody had to go to every one of these big events to try to make as much as they could. You said the word opportunity. Now there's so much opportunity to make so much money. I mean, you think about on our elite tour, there's four different events that one standalone event pays a hundred thousand dollars to the winner. There's a lot of money floating around out there, and and I I bitch all the time about you know there's not enough money for the athletes. Yeah, there's a lot of money comparative to what it was to what it used to ten years ago, but when you start to compare it to other major sports and and people will talk shit one way or the other you know some say well when they start acting like professional athletes they'll get paid like professional athletes i heard that this week and it just makes me cringe
0: it makes me it makes my skin
1: crawl you don't know what the hell's going on with these guys you don't know how hard they're working you don't know the sacrifice they're putting in these people you know they they whether it's the pbr or professional rodeo
0: a lot of them are missing massive amount of times with their family yeah Um, I experienced what a guy trying to make the NFR experience this year. I left home prior to the 4th of July. I've been back to North Texas two days since then. I will go home again in a week and a half, the end of September. If you're you're a calf roper, if you're a steer wrestler, if you're a team roper, if you're a barrel racer, you're trying to get to the NFR, you probably are going to load up your life, stick it in a trailer, go to Reno, and get home in time. You know, if if you live in Texas or Oklahoma, get home in time for Stephenville and and Amarillo and some of those at the end of the year. Um, that those kinds of sacrifices for a bunch of people who do not have um, guaranteed no cut contracts. Who, if they get hurt, they aren't getting paid. Right. Um, don't tell me that these guys aren't acting like professional athletes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's that's I love. Love and people constantly try to draw that line in the sand between the PBR and rodeo. I'm a rodeo fan. I am too. You know, I grew and I'm up a PBR fan. Me too. Uh I grew up going to rodeos when I was a kid. There's there's a reason that I still go to rodeos every. There's a reason that I'm staying in Pendleton an extra day just to go watch the rodeo because yeah. I love it. And that's why is because there are no guaranteed. You know, it's not a salary job. You're not guaranteed so much money right. every month right. and if you're not out there busting your ass you're not making
0: a living one of the things that i'm thankful of is that in 2014 uh the first year that i went on behalf of rural radio to the pbr finals that was i literally matt because i'm i'm at a rodeo every weekend mm-hmm. i've never really had a chance to even sit down and watch pbr on tv right right and so that was the first time i'd ever really gotten a dose of the pbr and i'm there putting the finals on the radio. Um, the biggest event in the world, professional bull riding. And I'm so glad I got a chance to get involved in it yeah. and to get to know some guys through the year, to get to be on a, on a first-name basis with somebody like Glimmy Marchie
1: was kind of cool. I think there's a lot of people in Western sports that have a, a little bit of a closed mind to it because they don't yeah. see it yeah. and they don't understand. And, and well, they do, you know, they do this and that and blow stuff up and everything. No, what we do is we try to give bull riders a bigger platform and a bigger stage. And it goes back to what I said a minute ago. We're trying to get more eyeballs on yeah. what these guys do because they deserve it.
0: I am really interested in what I think <laughs> has been a reasonable, successful couple of years for the WCRA, yeah. which is affiliated with the PBR. Um, everything I hear about the event they had in Green Bay back mm-hmm. in, when was that, June or whenever yeah, it, it was? June 1st. Big um, Big crowd. checks to the winners. Yep. Um, And a new market. A new market. For rodeo. A brand new market for rodeo. Um, That kind of thing. I don't care what set of initials are in front of the event. I think we're too tribal in our sport. Um, I don't care what set of initials are in front of the event, but I love the fact that we create new opportunities. Agreed.
1: Agreed. And we're giving athletes more and more opportunity because that's 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 what we all want. Yeah. You and I both as, as voices, as announcers, we want more opportunities. Oh, sure. I, if, if it was up to me and I could go to work at WWE or UFC and, and try some new things, I, would. I wouldn't I would walk away from what I'm doing now. I, I love it. But you know, if,
0: if a I would col- love it. If a college basketball team called me up today because I don't have, unfortunately, my schedule is a little open from like, November, October, November through January, February, and said, Hey, we're looking for a play by play guy. You want to come do our games?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I probably would say, Yeah, where do I sign up? Absolutely. Okay. I want to go back because we talked about radio and we talked about, you know, you you mentioned uh, Western Sports Weekly, Western Sports Roundup, all the things that you did. You, whether you know it or not, and I've thought this for a long time, you uh, subtly became the voice of rodeo to me. And, And I think that. I think that for a lot of people in the in the industry, like Steve Kenyon's voice became the voice of the Western lifestyle through that, through Pro Rodeo Live, through you know different things that you were doing. You were constantly. You ever thought about that? I mean, because because I really do. I believe that like your voice became one of those that that was synonymous with Western sports.
0: This is probably where you you usually get the aweshucks moment from Steve. <laughs> well, and, I, and, and, and hey, I really I'm not kissing your ass because you're sitting across I the table. I, I mean that. I and you wouldn't, and I know you well enough to to, to know that you wouldn't. Um, I guess, yeah, I thought I've thought some about it, and I've had a lot of people contact me since my departure from uh, my previous position and tell me that they, you know, they miss what we did, and so I'm going to try and create some new things. Um, right. we, we've got a new website out there. It's called 8SecondsRadio.com. Um, a couple of things have gotten put on hold for a little bit, and it's time to get out and get going again. Mm-hmm. Uh, new podcast called The Leaderboard, new... You know, if in a a perfect world, I would be able to create an online radio station where we would be able to bring you live and archived rodeo coverage, a lot of it, uh, where we'd be able to bring you some Western lifestyle, where we'd be able to, you know, interview athletes from all different organizations and all different associations. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I, I that you say that makes me feel really good. That what's more important to me than having been in that position is that I continue to be in that position and try to be take advantage of whatever platform I have to be a voice for the future of Western right. sports and to 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 continue to promote and sell our athletes and promote and sell our events because I love our events. We're in a little town of 16,000 people, Pendleton, Oregon, and for 10 days in September, it becomes the hub of the world of the wild, wild west. Everybody is here. Everybody's here. Everybody, it, it, this little town... Everybody in this little town is touched by the rodeo in some way. Even if it's the person who says, oh, God, I hate that stupid rodeo. Let me out of town. But before they leave, they rent their house out to somebody right. who's coming into town and couldn't find a hotel room. So even though they're leaving, their lives are in their bank account, quite frankly, are touched by the rodeo. Um, stories like this don't get told. If you're in a unique position to, to be a storyteller of stories like that, you should actually consider that a privilege, and see how far you can go with it.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And that's why I started this whole podcast yeah. was because, you know, I have access to what I feel are, are the greatest athletes in sports, mm-hmm. you know, that they're, they're hands down the toughest. I have access to them, which means like I'm friends with them and I know their real stories. I know the real characters behind what you see on television because you don't get to see that yeah. shit on TV. Yeah. You don't have enough time to realize, and look, I'll, I'll put it straight out there because... I've had plans to do one of these with Chase Outlaw for so long. I tell you what, the difference in Chase Outlaw today from five years ago is unbelievable. And as a friend, I will fight tooth and nail for that guy. You think of what he's been through just in the last year?
0: Nuts. I mean, he probably should not still be riding bulls after that wreck he got in in Cheyenne he last year. He probably
1: shouldn't be driving a car he, without a He might not.
0: Help. Maybe shouldn't be alive yeah. after that wreck, to be bluntly honest. And then, you know, the, the loss of a great friend in Denver mm-hmm. and turning around and winning the bull riding that bears his great friend's name. And and now to be in a position where he could be the PBR's world champion this year. Yeah. Think um, about
1: that. He, he won... The Mason Lowe Memorial Event yeah. in St. Louis, and then turn around and won the very event where he got wrecked out and couldn't could have been killed. Yeah, I told somebody in the offices the other day at Endeavor, "There's your movie," because they were talking about pitching new movie ideas, and I said, "There it is. There's your movie. You don't even have to write a script. The it's chase already been, Outlaw it's story. Already been it's been for written you. for you." Why is somebody not jumping all over that? I mean, it, it has to be done, and someday, it, it, it if it if it's not done, I'll spend my money to do it because it'll be worth it. From from getting it,
0: how many bones did he I break? Said that in his like face? I have any money yeah. at all from from breaking thirty bones in his face or whatever it was in Cheyenne. Yeah, to turning around and winning it the yeah. next year, yeah, with
1: everything stuck in the middle of all that. There's there's just certain people on this earth that that want things more than other people, and I think that he's one of those guys that. Things like that pop yeah. up, and he's like, yeah, yeah I got to do this, yeah. no matter what it takes.
0: The answer to your question that you originally asked, you you asked the question about, do you, do you realize that you became the voice of right. Western sports for a lot of people? Yeah. Um, I guess somewhere in the back of my mind, yeah, but I always made it a priority, and I've always tried to make it a priority when I'm announcing a rodeo, mm-hmm. when I've been doing something on the radio, when I've been doing something on TV, to make it about I always assume that I am the least interesting person in any conversation I'm involved with. 100%. And that I want to make the story about Chase Outlaw. Yep. About whoever. About Silvano. About JB. About Tuff Cooper. About Trevor Brazil. About Nellie Miller. About Mm -hmm. whoever we happen to be be discussing at that time. Because there's so many of these people that are, I mean, they're just good... (laughs) The, the, the cool thing about Western sports, let's face it, one of the reasons that you might not be an NFL fan, but you are a college football. Fan, mm-hmm. there are a lot of kooks
1: yeah. in some of the major sports. Yep. Look at that. Antonio Brown or whatever yeah. his name is that yeah. just went through all that. What an yeah. idiot.
0: Yeah. I mean, okay, if you were wanted to go to New England in the first place, go. Just say it. Don't yeah. drag the Oakland Raiders through all that in the process. Yep. Not that I'm a big Raiders fan. I'm darn sure not a big Patriots fan. Right. But... Um, I'm jealous. <laughs> it's not that I don't like them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my team's won one, won Super Bowl and lost Who, the Patriots on a goal who's line that? Interception who's your team? Year. Okay, they lost the Patriots on a goal line interception. Yeah. the year they won the Super Seattle. Uh yeah, Seattle. Yeah, the Supersonics. No, the, the Seahawks. I'm just yeah, no, the Supersonics aren't they in Oklahoma City? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't yeah, They yeah, call yeah, them the, yeah. the Thunder That's now. That's
1: right. Um, you know how many people are listening right now have no idea that the Oklahoma city thunder, thunder once are the Seattle, the Seattle, Seattle I thought about this earlier when you said, you know, the radio station shut off at midnight. How many people listening to a podcast right now yeah. have no, idea? they're like, what the hell? The radio doesn't shut off. Like they just have no idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it used to be that way. I mean, I, I, I ran a radio station one time in McMinnville, Oregon. We signed on at six o'clock in the morning. We were going through a budget situation. I was on the air from six until noon we had another guy come in and do a five or six hour shift, and then we—I think we just played tapes for four hours, signed it off at 10 p.m. at night. Um, that, those are back in the days when we played those things called records. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: but I mean, so much of that has changed now. Everything you listen to on radio now, for the most part, is automated. It's right computerized. Here. It's you know, I have everything you, on my cell. Phone. Yeah, exactly. I listen to Sirius XM radio on my cell phone. Yep. I I do the same thing. I have an apartment that I rented here in Pendleton for the summer. And the apartment has Wi-Fi. It does not have TV. Mm -hmm. And I'm not there very often. I don't
1: want to spend the money to put TV in. Right. Right. This is my entertainment right here. I got it on my phone. Everything you need. It's nuts. Uh, People... Use that to use a map. I was listening to Steve Austin's podcast today and he was talking to his guests and they were talking about carrying an atlas or a map. Yeah. Because people don't do it anymore. I don't even know how I used to navigate with a map. Yeah. I honestly God don't. But what happens if, you know, your cell phone dies or craps the bed or whatever. Oh. So many of us would be lost. <laughs> we just have to sit in a parking lot you, somewhere. You talked about
0: movies. I mean, someday somebody's gonna make the movie about the day the internet and five oh, G uh, died. And people were stuck in the middle of nowhere with their phones not working. We'll be a world full of zombies, not able to text, not able to Snapchat, not able to Facebook, not able to Instagram. That is the beginning of the zombie and apocalypse. That is going to be the beginning of the
1: end, right yeah. there. They're going to be people just drooling uh, and sweating. I'm pretty sure and that panicking, internet crashing is in the Book of Revelation. I'm not positive, but I think it's in there somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's in the book of revelations. I have. Oh, it, it's crazy to think that that's a thing that that's funny. that could completely change the world. That's funny. It's wild. Yep. Um, you've been all over. You've done things. You've been to places like like when I when I started announcing, I never thought coming to Pendleton would ever be anything that yeah. I could. You know, I I visited with some guys at the Grand Ole Opry the other day. The general manager's like, you should come back and host the Grand Ole Opry. That's a bucket list thing. That oh my God. I didn't even know could be on a bucket list. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But that's a bucket list thing that I didn't even know was possible. Sure. When you look back at, you know, the things that you've got to do, what are the big things that you go back and you go, Holy crap, I got to do that.
0: Wow. Um two thousand and eight, I was given the opportunity to produce the national radio broadcast for the National Finals Radio. Really? And I have done. It's been that long ago. 2008. Every, well, I, I actually started in 2006 working for another guy, mm-hmm. and unfortunately for him, he had he was not financially successful. Mm-hmm. Which, it's it's funny because the two best things that happened to me in my life are two of the worst things that could have happened to me in my life. This guy's situation was one of them. We literally spent two weeks in Vegas in 2007, put the NFR on the radio, um, didn't get paid. Mm. when it was all said and done. Got got $100. Um, it was a bad situation. Um, I understand you know, the position he was in. Um, could have probably been handled better. That's old news now. But the result of that was in 2008, the PRCA gave me the opportunity to take on that. I would have never thought I'd be doing something like that producing the national radio broadcast for the national finals rodeo Mm -hmm. every performance in the nfr i've done since 2006 and i've owned it since you know in some way shape or form since 2008 yeah um that was a big deal that's cool um you know a couple of the big things in my life are things that very first prca rodeo i ever did was 20 god 25 years ago in a little town over the hill from here called Union, Oregon. It's not... The Eastern Oregon Livestock Show is not the Cheyenne Frontier Days, mm-hmm. but it is a dedicated, hardworking group of volunteers that put on a week-long youth livestock show, have a sale every year that, you know, a group of kids come from all over Eastern Oregon. They sell animals for $500,000 or more total for all of these kids to go into their college fund. And those people have given me the chance to come back and announce their rodeo every year for 25 years. That's cool. You know... I, that kind of thing, to me, means a lot. It's you made the comment earlier, and you're right. And I appreciate you the way you said it. I'm a rodeo announcer first. Mm-hmm. All this other stuff comes from announcing rodeos. It's why I'm not on the radio anymore, um, because I'm a rodeo announcer first, and um, and I will continue to be a rodeo announcer for as long as I'm capable. I'm probably not going to be Hadley Barrett. Nobody will be. Nobody can be in their eighties the way Hadley was. It's going to be at the top of their right. game. But I'm only fifty nine years old. I got a lot to do. Right. And
1: and I intend to do just as much of it as I can. That that's exactly how I am. I'm constantly looking for a way to grow. Yeah. Um Insert steroid jokes there, if you want to, if you're listening.
0: Uh, <laughs> see, I'm just sitting here looking at him, folks, but, in a T-shirt from the gym <laughs> and these massive biceps across the from me going, yeah, okay, you've been growing.
1: But in all honesty, like I'm constantly looking, okay, so what's next? What's next? What can we do? What can we do, not selfishly, but what can we do next to take this thing to another level where we can get more people involved in what we're doing?
0: Yeah. It is not selfish, for you or I or anybody else in this industry to say to themselves, "Okay, how can I create?" For me, it was how can I create an opportunity. When I started doing the NFR and the radio, the PRCA didn't even really take it seriously. Right. It was it was that internet thing, and um, they collected a wild? rights fee. Isn't
1: that so funny?
0: And and that was that. And then I got crazy and started running around and going to places like San Antonio and going to the Ram National Circuit Finals and going to Cheyenne and all of that. And somebody in Colorado Springs looked around and said, God, Steve Kenyon's serious. And he's out here promoting this sport, and he's out here telling our stories. And he's out here. It was before the Wrangler Network. It was before any of this other stuff.
1: Um, I I have that right now with this podcast. I started this podcast and people are saying, God, man, West is serious. I hate the name of this podcast because it's my name, but I I say this every week, I think on this, on this show, but I hate the name and I'll tell you the original name, uh, off air, which we might be rebranding and going back to just because I love it. And it's, it's the principal reason why I started this podcast was to tell those stories of other people. um, and me having my name on it to me feels a little selfish, but that's neither here nor there. But you know, you started this. You're you're out there doing it. You're not doing it for you. You're not you're doing it for the for the sport. If
0: if if you can do something like that, you do it for the sport and you make a little bit of money. In Absolutely. It in the process. Absolutely, that's called capitalism, and it's a good thing. Um, if if you make a lot of money at it in the process, and you're able to continue to promote and and create new fans and bring new people into the industry.
1: Everybody wins. Yep, hundred percent. How did you get in? Because uh, you you go back to the radio. You started in radio. Um, how did you transition from radio into rodeo? That's hard to say.
0: It's it's a it's an interesting story. I was we were living in a little town called McMinnville, Oregon, which is over on the west side of the state, about half hour outside of Portland, and I was running a radio station, KMCM, McMinnville, Oregon. 1260 on your radio dial um and i was doing play-by-play for high school and college football and basketball um linfield college football google this the longest continuous string of above 500 seasons for any intercollegiate rodeo or intercollegiate football program in the country the linfield wildcats really yep yep they they were in the naia i think they're division three now um but 1982, 84, 86, I got to do three NAIA National Championship football games in McMinnville. Huh. Um, and that town went nuts. At, at the time, the economy and the country was kind of crashed. And it was the best thing that could have happened to that community at that point. It just brought the
1: entire town together. You but know what's the, wild is because when I was in elementary at Delaware, mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma, our football team, eight man set a record for most consecutive losses. <laughs> In the same season that Morrison, Oklahoma, put together a record for most consecutive wins. So anyway, yeah, there anyways.
0: But anyway, so you asked the question, how did I get from rodeo to radio? We bought a horse, and we would go down to the local fairgrounds, which was right across the street from the radio station. And my wife would go ride, and she got to hanging out with somebody who liked to who, who was teaching her how to barrel race. And we ended up hanging out with a bunch of high school rodeo kids. And the high school rodeo kids came to me one day and said, "Would you announce our rodeo next year?" I think the guy that they had the year before was drunk. I really do.
1: Which um, happens.
0: Which happens. Um, and I said, guys, I don't, you know, I mean, I knew what I knew about announcing a rodeo. I had learned from going to the St. Paul rodeo on the 4th of July when I was 10, 11 years old in like 1969 and 1970. And at that time, God only knows, I was probably watching Larry Mahan, Hawkeye Hanson, mm-hmm. um, maybe Tom Ferguson. I mean, there were a lot of guys I was watching. I remember a gentleman named Mel Lambert, who was the announcer in St. Paul at Mm -hmm. the time. He's in the Hall of Fame now. Did the NFR a couple of times. Had this just deep, buttery, baritone voice. And I remember sitting in the audience. I'm not making this up, Matt. I remember sitting in the audience thinking, this guy is friends with every single person that's competing in this rodeo. I don't remember if I saw Larry Mahan. I don't remember what bull I saw, but I remember Mel Lambert. Right. And I don't know if that was a foretelling of things to come years later or not. But, you know, fast forward to 1986. My son was six months old. And these high school kids talked me into announcing this little – I'll show you how dumb I was. I I went and I announced this high school rodeo. Um, I didn't own a belt with a buckle on it. I didn't own a proper cowboy hat. I didn't I think mm-hmm. I wore a pair of Lee jeans and at the time in the pocket of a pair of Lee jeans when you bought them were the definitions and descriptions of all the events in professional Really? Yeah. And I might have actually had that sitting out of the corner of my eye, but I actually also had all the kids write me up a little biography, so I knew something about them. Right. And the people who were there really liked the fact that I knew all the kids. And we got done with that rodeo, and two things happened. And this was 1986, Easter weekend, 1986. Number one, the lady that had asked me to announce the rodeo walked up and handed me a check for 300 whole dollars. I didn't think I was even getting paid. I just thought I was doing Damn, that's out a lot more than I made in my first one. And I looked at her, and I said, I'm getting paid for this? She said, well, yeah. And I thought, well, cool. Actually, three things happened. That was the first thing. The second thing that happened, you're going to laugh at this, she says, God, you're, you're going to be the next Bob Tallman someday. And I smiled, and I said, thank you. And I knew so little in the back of my mind. Didn't know who it was. I'm, I'm going, who the hell's Bob Tallman?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: He's one of my best friends now. Right. I mean, I obviously am very familiar with Mr. Tallman now. Third thing that happened was the, the fellow that had the stock there came up and hired me to do three more. hmm And I, okay. They were, one of them was a high school rodeo one of them was a little open jackpot thing. And one of them was a amateur rodeo association sanctioned event. Um, they had me come host the award ceremony at the high school finals in Oregon that year. The next year four turned into eight for about a decade. I was the voice of the Oregon high school rodeo association. Mm-hmm. I didn't have kids competing, but I was on the board of directors and, um, and then I started getting some regional association events. And at some point, Back to Bob Tallman. Bob's daughter, Nicole, started competing in high school rodeo in Oregon. His wife, Kristen, was elected the president of the Oregon High School Rodeo Association. Bob heard me a bunch. He came up to me one day, and he says, you ought to think about getting a card. Really? And I said, okay. And I went to Bob's school. Um, And the fellow who had been announcing this rodeo in Union, Oregon, that I told you was my very first PRCA rodeo, retired, And the people who put on that PRCA rodeo were also involved in putting on the high school rodeo I'd announced all those years. And they called me up and said, we want you to come do our pro rodeo. And uh, I I think this is a rule that I think kind of sometimes doesn't get followed. At that time, you were supposed to have five PRCA rodeos, signatures from two announcers and a stock contractor that had all done the NFR. To become a real live PRCA announcer, right? Um, and you're supposed to send the PRCA a check. I had one PRCA rodeo, but I had all the signatures, um, and that's that's how it started. That was 1990 something, 92. It's Maybe.
1: crazy how similar our stories are because I I, I actually I kind of got forced into my first event. It was for a, a Junior Bull ride, National Junior Bull Riders Association back in the day, two thousand three. I mm-hmm. uh, picked up a mic for the first time. Got forced into it. Watched a bunch of old rodeo tapes before I did it, and so I just tried to kind of mimic yeah. all those old yeah. rodeo announcers. Yeah. You know, regional stuff. I I did that. Loses a handle. You know, and that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. And I did it, and the you know the lady, she said same thing. She said, so you're going to do the one next weekend? I said, no, ma'am, I'll never do this again, because I'm terrified, terrified to talk in front of people. And I said, nah, this is a one-time thing. I don't think I'll ever do this again. She said, well, if you change your mind, I'll pay you, I think it was $75 cash. Yeah. And I was like, well, hell yeah, sign me up. Let's <laughs> do this. Broke. I'm broke. Let's do it. So, And then fast forward, they asked me to do their state finals. That went okay. She said, "You know, will you come help this guy that does our national finals? Just you know, be there in case he needs anything." I said, "Yeah, absolutely. Show up and I meet a guy named Tim Fuller, who really said, yeah, and, and I'll that's be where darned. I met Tim Fuller. Was at their national finals, national junior bull riders national finals in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and uh, you know we go through the first couple of days, and, and I'm just trying to learn as much as I can, stay the hell out of his way, really." And he says, at the end of it, he says, so is this this what you want to do? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, is this what you're trying to do for a living? Yeah. And I said, you, people can do this for a living? Because I grew up, I, I listened to Clem McSpadden, you know, my whole childhood, I, you know, but it never dawned on me, that's what these guys are doing for a living. And he said, I think you could make it. And, you know, he said, I could hook you up with some small rodeos. I said, I mean, if you think I could, let's try this. So I booked a couple small regional rodeos right there close to the house. I was losing money, you know, doing everything that the the good announcers tell you not to do. Now, yeah. you know, don't do this, don't, don't do, that. do that. I did, I did all of it. Yeah. I did all of it. Me too. And uh, you know, packing my own speakers, my own music, and everything, changing CDs and all that shit, yep. and then. I
0: was using cassettes. Right. Well,
1: you know, and a lot of guys that were helping me were using mini discs, which I don't, you know, yeah, yeah. I couldn't even tell you what a mini disc looked like right now. But um, did all that stuff. And I had two goals. And one was to do the ACRA finals and one was to do the IFR. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was as big as I ever thought things could get. I didn't get to do either one of them damn things, but I got a call in two thousand. Seven to go do my first PBR built forward tough at the time. And in 2010, fast forward, you know, three years, 2010, I got asked to be the third member of the announced team of the World Finals. Uh, I've been a part of the World Finals every year since 2010, and it still pisses me off that I can get to do the ACRA Finals in <laughs> the IFR. Still I've got all these. These buckles sitting uh, you know yeah. at the house, but it still pisses me off that I don't have an IFR buckle,
0: but yeah, you know, I rem- my, I, my goals were to do the at the time in the Northwest, it was the Northwest Professional Rodeo Association and the Pro West Rodeo Association. Mm-hmm. I did the Pro West Finals three or four times, did the NPRA finals once. Um, but I mean, I kind of just I've done the Columbia River Circuit finals 18 times.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's so cool. Because that that was that was the other big goal. I wanted to do a circuit finals rodeo. Yeah, and you know, uh, God's path was different than mine. I didn't end up going and doing as many rodeos. People ask me all the time, "Well, you don't you don't do any rodeos?" Well, yeah, you know, I just my schedule. You get kind of pigeonholed as this bull riding guy. Yeah,
0: but you know what? I mean, I've heard you do enough. I did a rodeo called the American. I I I, I, I kind of remember listening to the American and listening to you guys in the background. And I, and I mean, this is a compliment and I'm not saying this just cause you're sitting right across the table from me and your biceps are bigger than mine. Um,
1: <laughs> i did slow. a hell of a
0: job. It's fun. You did a hell of a good it's job. It's so
1: fun. I, I follow Randy Schmutz around that deal and, and we just, a guy's so good, but it's fun. And when, and when you love, love your job, yep. it's not really a job. They it's all not. say that. It's not. Um, You look back, you have interviewed and this is, this is what's cool because for me, I remember when people say, what are the big moments you remember? <clears throat> I was I was around for a lot of big rides and a lot of, you know, I was there when Marchie, you know, rode number 500 yep. you know, all that stuff. I've been around for a lot of those moments. But for me, the things I always remember most are like the night I'm interviewing Chris Shivers about his retirement and he breaks down. Um, being able to interview and I'll tell this story someday, but I knew about Brendan Clark and Luke Snyder retiring a year before before anybody else did. Yeah. And I had to sit on that secret for a full year. Yeah. I also knew that they weren't going to retire at the World Finals. They would do The, you know, the honorary, you we'll do the interviews and everything at the world finals. But as soon as we get done in Vegas, we're all jumping on a plane, going to Australia Mm -hmm. and competing down there. And that's where Luke and Brendan would ride their last bulls were in Australia. They brought me into that. I got to be a part of that. So it's things like that. Like I was in Australia when Luke and Brendan got on their last bull, like things like that are what stick out to me. Yeah. Getting to visit with Clint McSpadden and Chris Ledoux and, and a good friend of mine, Ray Bingham, all backstage at Tulsa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, listen to them tell stories. Things like that are what really sticks out to me. Who, if if anybody really sticks out, I, I bring all this up because right now social media is huge and mine's blowing up because in the last couple of weeks I've met Arnold Schwarzenegger, yep. trained with Hulk Hogan. I'm kind of Like those, in those kind of things. Yeah. And, and people, I saw
0: that picture of you and Hulk Hogan. I thought, my God, that's a real picture.
1: He's amazing. He
0: didn't even Photoshop that. He, that's no, it's really no. him and Hogan.
1: And it's crazy because like – that's part of the reason I love that gym is I've been down there and I've actually like worked out with and around Hogan like five, six, seven times now. He's such a cool guy. Such a cool guy. He's as cool today as he was when I was five years old watching WrestleMania. And he was
0: ripping his shirt off. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My my grandma used to big
0: pythons are gonna, you know, whatever the big yeah. arms. You know. My
1: my grandma used to cut these tank tops down the front and put yeah. Velcro in the front of them yeah. so that I could rip them off when I was a kid. <laughs> swear. Swear. Uh, I might have to do that again. Um but I say that for me, meeting Hulk Hogan. Yeah. probably the biggest thing that's ever happened in my in my life as far as a quote unquote celebrity encounter western sports man i don't know like i get to hang out with Ty Murray about every weekend yeah. i get to hang out with Justin McBride JB these guys about i i there's a lot of that shit that i take for i don't take for granted but i'm fortunate that i get to do it over and over again. when you look
0: back who's who's that well i'll tell you what who the first name that comes to my mind Charlie Daniels at the national Finals rodeo mm-hmm. on the phone on 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 Western sports Roundup we got to do I, I got to have a chance to I don't know that he would even remember me but being in that guy's presence yeah. you know Flint had him on um, his outside the barrel show has had him on his outside the barrel show frequently yep. you know I, I'm incredibly jealous of somebody like Flint because all those people he's gotten to hang out hang out with but the the fun thing about what we do, and you you mention it, you know, get to I get to hang out with Ty Murray every week, name dropper. Right. Um, that's okay. Yeah. Um, we get to we get to hang out with these guys and get to know them. Yep. And so many of these people that that a lot of people are buying a ticket to come watch at the PBR Finals, at the penalty roundup, at the National Finals rodeo, and they think they're
1: superstars. Right. We got their numbers on our phones. And and, and they are. And they're friends. They they, they are superstars. They're still superstars but we get to call them friends. They're real people. And we get to know
0: their, their backstories and they're real people.
1: And that's what makes it cool to me. Yeah. You know, I, I get to be around those guys yeah. a lot. I,
0: I've gotten to, to interview, I got to interview a lot of musicians and they stick out to me. Charlie Daniels, the Bellamy Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Stiegel. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. I got to, I got to do an, a, a, several interviews with him and I just really find him to be as authentic in person As so you know, those are some of the highlights, and then so many contestants. He actually told me, and I wish I'd have taken him up on this. On this, he 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 asked, he told me one time. He says, "How many people do you interview a week?" I said, "Oh gosh, twenty at that time because we were. I mean, right? You know, we had a radio show. There was an hour a day, yep, and four interview segments a day that we were trying to fill. And I like to be interview heavy." Um, he said, "I hope you're taping these and saving them Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of history." That you don't even know is history right now. That someday you're going to want to look back on, and unfortunately, I didn't take his advice. I wish I had.
1: It takes us all a, a little bit to go back and start taking that advice because the the one piece and everybody says, "Well, what would you tell everybody else? What would you tell? What would you tell people getting into the industry or wanting to do what you do?"
0: Um, I would tell them to learn everything they can learn. To not get hanging out with the there there are premier people, and then there are wannabes. Mm-hmm. One of the mistakes I made early on was I let myself get interviewed, get influenced by too many wannabes. Right, and then I got to know people like Tallman. I was announcing high school rodeos, and I'd heard Bob do a couple of rodeos. And, and I'm announcing high school rodeos and amateur rodeos. And Bob comes up to me one day. He does everything but grab me by the nap of the neck mm-hmm. and lift me up off the floor. And he says, Would you quit trying to be me and just right. be you? Stop it. You sound stupid. I words to that effect. Right. Um, and he was right. I can't be Bob Tolman. People- I can be Steve Kenyon, but I can't be
1: Bob Tolman. How many years ago do you think that was? Oh, God. Twenty five. Okay, twenty five years ago. That's the advice he gives you. Yeah, twenty five years later, people are still trying to be Bob Tallman. Yeah, exactly. I see it every week. I'll yep. see a clip of somebody. Yep. that's announcing in the background. That's trying, trying to be to Bob Tall. Like Bob, it's crazy and to me. Falling way short. Doing
0: oh, you, you can't. You can't, do you. You, can't.
1: Yep, you need right. to do
0: Matt. I can't do that's Matt right. West.
1: That's right. You can't be me because you can't dumb it down enough to no, get to my level. No, that's life. not
0: that's not anywhere close to being true. Um, we have our own separate styles. I'd love to announce with you sometime. I think we would be yeah, great. I think together. it'd be fun. Um, we you you have got to be you. Mm-hmm. You 100%. can't be if you're if you want to do baseball. You can't be Vince Scully, right? You can't be Joe Buck. You can't be whoever you're watching on. You know, doing the CBS telecast this week. You know, I can't be Craig Hummer. Uh, yeah, I, I can learn. I can learn a shitload. Craig is as I understand Craig's story. Craig is amazing because He's, he has
1: gotten so deep into the PBR, coming from a complete non-bull riding I'm, background. I'm going to have him on the podcast, uh, hopefully soon. We've talked about it, and uh, that's a it's it's such an interesting story. Yeah. People see this guy and they think. Well, I don't want that city slicker telling me about bull riding. Let me tell you something that kid, that guy from that California, knows what he's talking. Lives about. out in California, knows more about bull riding than I do. Yeah, uh, a yeah. hundred percent, hundred times over. Yeah, like he studies it. He's he's such a. I, I love the guy. I'm a big fan. I want to go back to the advice thing because when I first started, I went to Clem McSpadden. Mm-hmm. Clem was my guy. To touch on your PRCA story. I had to fill out all the necessary paperwork and then give them a list of five amateur rodeos I'd be announcing. Uh, Everybody had told me, call them before you get to that last one just to make sure that they've been to one. So I call them, guys out of the office, well, you know, my my last rodeo on my approval list is this weekend. Just wanted to make sure somebody comes out. Okay, we'll we'll make a note of it. A couple weeks go by, nobody says anything. I call into the office, the same thing. Well, no, nobody got to any of them. You can resubmit that approval fee. And I said, so you want me to That was like write, 500 bucks, if yeah, I remember right, the approval fee. You want my broke ass to write another $500 check and send you... I said, Ugh. so I called Clem. And I said, Clem, I don't know what to do, man. And I said, I, is, is it worth it? He said, let me call you right back. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't three minutes. My phone rang again. And he said... They should be calling you anytime now and you'll have a letter <laughs> in the mail by the end of the week. But that's just the kind it's of Nice to have club expands. Uh, oh, free. but I, but to go back to the advice thing. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I sat in his office in Chelsea, Oklahoma, and I said, "Give me the best advice you can give as a young announcer, yeah. you know. Give me the best." And I'm thinking he's going to tell me something about take care of your voice this way, study All this right. way, learn this. You know, the number. The only advice he would ever give me was this, take pictures. Yep. Take pictures everywhere you go, yep. everybody you work with, everybody you encounter, because someday you'll remember everything, but someday your kids are going to want to look back, your grandkids are going to want to look back, your great-grandkids yep. are going to want to look back and go... Holy crap! Look at this, you know, and, and that has stuck with me, and that's the only advice I'll ever give
0: other, the, other people. Well, what's interesting about that? That I'm I'm really curious to hear hear you say that because um, we talked before we started. I'm my next birthday is number sixty, so I've got a lot more years that I've already done than mm-hmm. I have ahead of me in this business. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. Um, I want to go as long as I can, but I'm not going to be able to go forever. I wish that I had done exactly what Clem McSpadden told you. Yep. Um, rodeo clown friend of mine once upon a time told me that he, he had gotten to a point where he was asking every committee he worked for, you know, if, if they had something they gave out, he wanted some piece of memorabilia from every committee,
1: mm-hmm.
0: every place he'd been. Yep. Um, when Clem McSpadden told you to take pictures Back then, people were still either using Polaroids or yeah, film that they had to go 100%. develop. It wasn't as easy as cell phones. point and shoot with yep. your phone. Yep. Um, and we should be doing that today. I wish I had. That is the single biggest regret I have in the rodeo. I got a I got a buckle table full of buckles, um, which I love. I cherish every one of them. Same. But I was just given one my by the rodeo in Gooding, Idaho, which is a rodeo that uh, I've been with since the – Very first year, they were a PRCA rodeo, and this year they kicked it up. They're $10,000 added. They're on the Pro Rodeo Tour. Um, I think they should be nominated for Rodeo of the Year. That's a little town. Population 3,000, a little county population 10,000. They bring in three stock contractors. They they bust their butts to put on this incredible rodeo. People are sitting in the stands with signs. You know, their folks are holding up signs. Jill Franz and Loden runs the music. We heart Steve and Jill. And, mm-hmm. and if a guy does real well, there's a there's a whole group of people. They call themselves the Beer Worthy Section. Ropers and riders know about it. You go out you your 85 points on a bucking horse, you run to the Beer Worthy section. You yeah. know, when somebody's holding yeah. out a, a cup of course it's light for Like the for you. end zone dance, it's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, they just gave me a buckle, yeah, and you know things like that. I love, but I, I really, someday, I'm going to look back on my career and I'm going to wish that I had saved more memorabilia than I
1: yeah. did. Me too. Me too. And I think about it Clem's, every week. Clem was exactly right. I think about it every week. And and, and last night I just posted on Instagram just a picture of the bucking and shoots and the mountain scene and everything yeah. there. Just you know, so I'll have it someday, and and that other people can kind of enjoy the things we take. You know, we we get to do every single week. Um, I'm hoping I get this event again next year. But I'll say this: I just looked at the clock. And I've got a meeting here in a few minutes. And okay. if I don't get you it, to it, I'm not gonna to be here next meeting. year. Yes. So I gotta get I gotta I gotta cut it short here. Um man, I enjoyed this. I wanna do this. We've gotten to do this on your shows yeah. a lot. And I wanna do this more. I just you know, one of the things
0: that I've really learned and I know I got you gotta get going, so I'm gonna make this really concise. One of the things that I have learned in my life, especially over the last few months, is to completely treasure and totally cherish the value of friends. When Chad Nicholson died. Scott Grover called me up, and he said, hey, I just wanted to call you up and say hi, because we all learned a lesson the other day, and the lesson is we don't talk to each other, Matt. That's right. Matt, I think the world of you, not just as a rodeo announcer, but as a person and as a friend, I am so proud of your success. I can't tell you. Um, and
1: thanks for letting me be spend a little time with you. Well, today. I appreciate it. And likewise, obviously it's always, it's always a pleasure and we're fortunate cause we do get to talk yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. So we need uh, to talk more. I want people to listen though. Let's talk real quick. Tell everybody how they can follow you on social media. Plus the new venture, the website, everything.
0: Eightsecondsradio.com. I've got an Instagram page, um, Steve Kenyon live Facebook page. There's still some things we're doing to get all the names straightened around to where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. um, go to eight seconds You can listen to every performance of the penalty roundup this weekend. Um, we're going to be the only place you can get it live on Wednesday and Thursday. If you're not here in the building. Um, and I, uh, appreciate everybody's support so much. Um, and, uh, the Leaderboard Podcast is available on SoundCloud, on Apple iTunes, on iHeartRadio, um, and I, I kind of cut that back for a couple of weeks for a lot of reasons that I don't need to get into here, but we're going to start. I'm going to kick that thing up two, three times a week, yep. and we're going to try and tell just as many stories as we can.
1: Well, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really excited about everything that's in your future. I'm just glad that you gave me a little time today, so appreciate you, buddy. Get your production meeting. Yes, sir.